anyway, um, glad that you're here this morning. We're in the middle of a series. Actually, we're toward the tail end of a series um, called Happy. And so this is a series that we've been looking at the very first recorded sermon that we have of Jesus's in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 5. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually his most famous sermon uh, in the Bible. And we're at the very beginning of this sermon. So the very beginning is a little section called the Beatitudes. And so the Beatitudes, what that word means, it's a Latin word that means blessed. It means like extreme blessing or happiness, like bliss, right? And so what it is, it's these eight things that Jesus says leads to a different sort of happiness, like a a deeper happiness, a more meaningful and lasting happiness in our lives. And so we've been digging into each of these um, over the past six weeks. This is the seventh week of the series. And so this week we're in the seventh one and we're going to be talking about peacemaking. Next week we're going to finish the series and then the week after that we're going to start a new series called Resolve. Okay. And this series, um, I've, been, I've been looking forward to this for a while. We've kind of had this on our agenda uh, for a while. It's a series where it's kind of a double click on what we're talking about this weekend. It's kind of a double click on peacemaking. So essentially what it is, is it's talking about conflict resolution. So we live in a world where there's all kinds of conflict, right? It's part of being a human being living on planet Earth. Like it, it happens. Some of the conflict um, is sparked by us. Some of it is just kind of extended to us, but we all have conflict to deal with. And so in that series, we're going to spend four weeks just talking about how to deal with conflict in a biblical way, in a godly way. And, uh, and so I'm real excited about that. There's some things that I'm going to share with you that I've learned. I had a, a kind of a period of my time where I, I was able to dig into this. I went through some training things that were really helpful for me in, in seeing, con- a lot of times we can look at conflict as like, oh, it's this thing I don't want to deal with. And, it, it, and there's hurt and there's pain. But we can look at conflict that way or we can turn it around and we can see it as an opportunity to bring God glory. And so that's a real paradigm shifter when we think about conflict. So anyway, there's some stuff there that I'm real excited to share with you guys. So that starts in two weeks. It's called Resolve. Um, But this morning we're going to continue on in the Happy series. And what I want to do is what we've done every week of this series, I think every week of this series, is I want to read all of them together. We've been kind of challenging each other to consider memorizing these. You know, like when you're kids, you memorize stuff a lot more than when you're adults. And yet it's really important, it's really significant to have God's word like inside of us, you know, that we can recall kind of on the fly when things happen. So I think there's value in just kind of reading it and reading it and reading it. So I want to take a few, a few seconds here and I want to read um, this whole thing together. So here's where it starts. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. So he's got these crowds of people that are following him that are hurting, that are struggling, right? And they're looking for hope. They're looking for happiness, okay? So they're following him. Jesus goes up on a mountainside, so his voice carries more, and he sits down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, here we go, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We talked about that last week. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, 
persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I, 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 every time I read this, I think the same thing. Like it's so different than what the world says brings happiness to us, you know? There's all kinds of uh, voices that we hear that this is the way to happiness, this is the way to happiness, money, success, power, sex, fame, whatever it is. And Jesus is like, nope, this is happiness. This is what leads to ultimate happiness. So this week we're gonna talk about being a peacemaker. And the first thing, like when I think about being a peacemaker, I don't know why, but the first thing that pops into my mind is the Peace Corps. Like that's what I think about is the Peace Corps. And I don't even know much about the Peace Corps. But when I think about peacemaking, that's what I think. And so this week I was, you know, I was, you know, I was gonna be talking about this and Peace Corps pops into my mind. I thought I should, I should learn what the Peace Corps does. So I was reading about the Peace Corps. And it's interesting, the whole mission of the Peace Corps is this. This is why they exist to promote world peace and friendship. To promote world peace and friendship. And essentially what they do, the vast majority of the people that join the Peace Corps, it's a two-year commitment. Two-year commitment. And what they do is they are immersed in a particular struggling foreign culture over those two years where they kind of live like the people that they're with, right? And so the same sort of housing, the same sort of food situation, right? And their purpose there is to help bring peace and completion and wholeness, right? And so they, every culture has issues, has problems. And so when you're in the Peace Corps, you go there to help them work through their problems to help them find peace. And so right now, there are over 7,000 people around the world in various places in the Peace Corps. There are 220,000 people who have been a part of the Peace Corps since its inception. And I think about that, and I'm like, man, that is a that's a lot of people with a really big commitment, you know, two, two years of your life. So what they do is they target people who are in like transition times in their life, you know, so uh, recent college graduates, uh, people that have just retired, people that are considering a career change. And the compensation to be in the Peace Corps, if you're interested, the compensation is they, uh, your housing is paid for meager housing, right, depending on where you go, it's paid for. Your food, you have like this, a very small living stipend, so your food is paid for. And then when you get out, after your two years of service, you get $8,000. That's like, that's the compensation for it. And I look at that, I'm like, that ain't much, is it? Like, that's, that's pretty meager. And yet, nine out of 10 people, 90% of people that were a part of the Peace Corps recommend it to other people. They're like, it was an incredible experience and I recommend it to others. And, but I look at it and I'm like, man, like why? Like that, that's so many people for two year commitment with kind of a little bit in return, at least monetarily. But here's the thing, Here, here's the answer. Here's what I think the why is. I think we all have inside of us like this, this longing to bring peace, like this longing for peace. You know, this long, the Bible uses a word, uh, shalom. Maybe you've heard of that before. It's a Jewish word. In fact, Jews today greet each other with, with that word many times. It's a word that means, a lot of times it's translated as peace, but it also means like, it's bigger than that. It's like completion. It's wholeness. It's unity. It's rightness. It's peace, right? And so I think we all have this longing inside of us for that. You know, I think we have this longing for peace. We look at wars and fighting and we go it's not good you know 
I wish it were different. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't people just get along? We look at like personal conflicts that people have with each other and we're like, man, I wish they could just like work through it. You know, I think we all have this longing for peace that's inside of us. Some people, kind of, you know, we can oppress it, we can kind of push it down and never let it come to the surface. But I think most of us, most of us feel it. And then some people, like the 220,000 that have joined the Peace Corps go, I want to do something about it. I want to be active with this. I want to go bring peace. And it's interesting, Jesus says, if you're one of my followers, you also should be somebody who does something about it. You also should be somebody who brings peace. And so Jesus says this, we just read it, Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 9, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And we can look at that and, you know, that could mean a lot of different things. Like, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? You know, is it working in the Peace Corps? You know, like, that's what it means to be a peacemaker. I'm going to go to some foreign country and I'm going to work to bring peace in our world. Uh, does it mean, like, being a social worker? You know, I'm, I'm going to bring peace in the context of a family. Is, is being a peacemaker um, me breaking up fights between my kids like every single day and saying, you need to say sorry, you need to apologize, stop doing, like is that being a peacemaker? You know, like what, what does Jesus mean by that? And then what does it mean to be a child of God? They'll be called children of God. Like aren't we all children of God? You know, like as Christian we believe that God made everything. You know, he created all of us. So he's at least our creator, our maker. Doesn't that also make him our father, right? And so this is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to, I want to just kind of dig into this verse. And really what I want to do, so, so we talked about this last week as well. Um, so really we're focusing in on this one verse, each week one verse in this series. And as we look at this verse, I look at it and I go, there's really two one word and one phrase that I think we need to understand. To understand what Jesus is talking about here, there's one word, there's one phrase we need to understand. Peacemakers and children of God, right? If I can understand those two words, I think I can understand what Jesus is talking about. And I want to say again what I said last week. Um, what we're going to do, you can all do, you know? Like this is not professional Christian pastor, you know, responsibilities. Only, only I can do it. Like, this is something that every single one of us in this room, we could read a verse, we could slow down and not just immediately go on to the next verse. We could slow down and go, hmm, I wonder what Jesus meant by peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Hmm, I wonder what that word actually is in the original language. And we can get online and we can look up all of that stuff and we can dig in a little bit deeper. And then we can take a step back and do what we're going to do at the end and go, okay, so what difference does it make in my life? You know, like how do I apply this to my context? So I, I, I guess I say that because I want to challenge you to do that. Like the Bible is so accessible to us. You know, it's not just for, you know, people in Bible college or seminary or, or full-time ministry. It's for all of us. I want to encourage you to do that. So what we're doing, every single one of us could do. So here we go. I, I want to actually want to do it backwards. I want to start with the children of God and then we'll go to peacemakers, okay? So this, this phrase, children of God, in the original language, so in the Old Testament, so none of our Bible was written in English, okay? The first part of our Bible, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew, it was translated into English. The New Testament, the second part of our Bible, is written in Greek, translated into English, right? So we're in the New Testament, we're in the second half of our Bible. And so this phrase, children of God, in the, in the original language, in the Greek, it's huios theos, which is really fun to say, 
huios theos. I want to say it with a Greek accent, huios theos. Anyway, so what it really means is, literally what it means is sons, gods. Sons of gods, that's what it means. However, in ancient cultures, many times, most times when they're talking about sons, they mean sons and daughters, or male-dominated cultures. And so it means, really what it means is sons and daughters. So a lot of times it's translated as children of God. So sons and daughters, or legal, immediate descendants of God. Legal, immediate descendants of God. And I think we could all look at that and we could go, okay, children of God, I know what that means. I have an understanding of what that means because I am a child of someone else as well, right? Like the way procreation works among human beings and animals is everyone has a, unless we were born in a laboratory, everybody has, or conceived in a laboratory, a father and a mother, right? Like that's how it works, every single one of us. And we are children of somebody, right? And so um, one of the big implications of being children of a father and a mother that some of us really love and some of us really don't love, is that we end up being a lot like our father and our mother, right? Like that's just, that's kind of how it works. When I am a legal immediate descendant of somebody, I become a lot like them, right? So I was, I was uh, looking online this week at um, children who look like their parents. Right? So I Googled it. That's actually a fun little thing to Google. I Googled it. And I pulled up some pictures here. So here's the first one. What do you think of that? Julian, I think that's Julianne Moore on the left. And that's her little daughter. Looks just like her. Right? Go to the next one. We got, we got a bunch of them here. Look at that. Bette Midler and Bette Midler 30 years ago. That's her daughter. It's incredible. Go to the next one. Let's see the next one here. I forget this lady's name. She's a, I think she's a housewife, which is ironic because it's my favorite show on television. I'm just kidding. I don't anyway, but that, that, isn't that amazing? Like she, it's different color eyes, but everything else looks so much the same. Go ahead to the next one. There you go. Clint Eastwood and his son. Ruggedly handsome man, right? All right, go to the next one. There you go. Ice Cube. That's Ice Cube, and that looks like Ice Cube's twin brother, but that's actually his son. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, the next one. I think there's two more. You know who that is? Nancy Kerrigan, figure skater, right? That's her son. Man, if he had like long straight hair, it would look exactly like her. This is the best one. Go to the next one. This is the best one. Reese Witherspoon and her daughter. Isn't that amazing? Like, man. Children look many times, not always, but many times, a lot like their parents, right? And it doesn't just stop at physical characteristics, right? Like we often have very similar personalities as our parents. We often have very similar intelligences, which I don't mean like you're either intelligent or you're not. I mean like there's various spheres of intelligence. Like some people have interpersonal intelligence. Some people have linguistic intelligence. Some people have mathematical or mechanical or spatial or whatever. Like many times we're very similar to our parents that way. Our giftedness, our passions many times are very similar to our parents. And so thinking about that, what sort of implications do you think that makes for us being children of God? Knowing that children share a lot of the same qualities as parents, what sort of implications does that have with us being children of God? Well, I think when he's our father, we kind of start acting like him, right? 
When he's our father, we kind of start looking like him, you know? When he's our father, we kind of start to value the same sort of things that he values. When he's our father, we start getting passionate about the things that God is passionate about. When he's our father, we start loving the things that our father loves. See, many times when we, when, uh, we read the Bible and we see that phrase like children of God, um, maybe the first thing that comes to mind, and, and I think this is good, I think it should, but the first thing that comes to mind is identity right? Like when I am a child of God, my identity is in God. Just like when I was born to Ron and Patty Martell, I became a Martell. That's my identity. I'm part of that family, right? And so a lot of times when we think of being a a child of God, I am now part of his family. It's my identity. But I would challenge you here in this context with what Jesus is talking about to start thinking about likeness, right? Like when I'm God's child, I become like him. By the way, not everyone is God's child. You know that? I've talked about that a, a couple of times in here. That was actually really clear about this. There's a lot of confusion with that. Uh, it talks about it in a, a few different places. First John's one of them. We're only adopted. We just sang a song about adoption, right? We're only adopted as God's children when we say yes to Jesus, Right? Like when we trust Christ, we accept his sacrifice on the cross to pay for our sins. You know, Jesus accepted the death penalty to pay for our wrongdoing. And when we do that, when we have faith, when we trust him with those things, we become his sons and daughters. We become children of God. So it says things like in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in him, then we become children of God through Jesus. Go to that next one. In Galatians 3.26, So in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Right? So not everybody's a child of God. It's not just like an automatic thing. The Bible is really clear. We have to choose to make him our father. Right? And no one else. We don't go, well, yeah, I choose to be a Christian. I also choose to be a Buddhist. I choose to be a Hindu. and I choose to be a Muslim. We go, no, no, no. I have one father, and I choose Jesus. And now God is my father, right? So, so maybe, I'll, I'll just ask you a bunch of questions this morning. Maybe here's a good first question to start with. Am I a son or daughter of God? I you sit here this morning, like only you can answer that. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just a truthful answer, you know. Am I a son or daughter of God? Okay, so to summarize, we become children of God. When we become children of God, um, we, be, we start to become like our Father, right? I become a child of God when I say yes to Jesus. When I say yes to Jesus, God becomes my Father, and then I start to become like him, right? I start to love the things he loves. I start to get passionate about the things that he's passionate about. I start to value the things that he values, as I think what it means by children of God. Let's go to the second one, which is actually before it, this word peacemaker. So this word peacemaker in the original language is irapenoios, irapenoios. And what it means is it's a mediator who tries to bring about harmony between two parties. A mediator who tries to bring about harmony between two parties. A reconciler, right? A peacemaker, a mediator, or a reconciler. 
So Jesus says, blessed or happy are the peacemakers, the mediators, the reconcilers. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think God is so big on us becoming peacemakers? Like, why do you think God, it's so important to God that we become like mediators, that we become reconcilers? Like, why does God care? We cares because he's a peacemaker, right? He cares because he's a mediator. He cares because he's a reconciler. That's, that's who God is, right? And so it says all over throughout the Bible, it says, uh, often calls God, like a name for God is the God of peace, God of peace, God of peace. Romans 16, 20, right? Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan out of your feet. The God of peace. Go to the next one. 1 Thessalonians 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Guys, listen, I, w- I want you to lock in here for a second. This is, this is really important. Maybe the most important thing I'll say this morning. There is nothing that God desires more, there's nothing that God desires more than to bring about peace and reconciliation between himself and each of us. Let me say that again because that's really, really important. There's nothing that God desires more. Like how do I, like what does God want? Here's the number one thing that God wants to bring about peace and reconciliation between him and us. Like, that's who he is. That's the whole reason that he sent Jesus on a mission of dying on the cross to bring about peace with us. You know why? Because he loves us. And maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. Like, you are absolutely loved by God. This is, this is the crux of the gospel. You know, God, God is the ultimate peacemaker He looks at you and me and he says, I love you so much. I want you to be reconciled to me. And I'm willing to send my son, who's also God himself in some way, to die to make that happen. God is the ultimate peacemaker and he's called us to be peacemakers too. And so we already said, like in my heart, I feel that. It's like ingrained in my heart. I know that peace is good. I know that war and fighting and, you know, conflict and all that is not good. It was in the beginning, there was peace. One day, Jesus is going to restore all things. There's going to be peace, right? Like, I know that it's good. And the reason that it's ingrained in me, the reason it's ingrained in you, is because he made us that way, right? The God of peace made us that way. And when I become his child, when I become a child of God, I start to want it even more. And it becomes a lot harder to push it down and I see conflict between people and I go, I want to I help with that. I see conflict in my life or maybe I've offended somebody and I go, I, I want to make this right. I see, I, I, when somebody's hurt me and it's like deep and cutting and I have so much pain, I go, you know what though? God has forgiven me for so much. I want to work through this, right? Like when we become children of God, God made us to be people of peace. That's like he, he put it in our heart. We become children of God. We become like the ultimate peacemaker. But, but here's the thing. Here's something that's very important that I want you to get here. Is, again, I said this, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago too. Sometimes it's good to go, what didn't Jesus say here? You know, what, what did, so he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say, blessed are the peace lovers. You know, people do love peace. He didn't say, blessed are the peace enjoyers. You know, people that really enjoy living at peace. He didn't say, blessed are the peace preferers, you know, 
people that would just prefer to live in peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. And that word maker, that's an active word, right? Like when you make something, you're actively doing something. It's work to do that. And guys, listen, being a peacemaker is work. Like it takes active work to bring about peace and reconciliation. Like think about the work. Think about how God the Father actively worked to bring about peace in our lives. What did he do? He sent his son to live and to die for us, right? Think about the work that God the Son, Jesus, did to bring us peace. Think think about what Jesus' life was like. What was it like? Sacrifice, suffering, shame, being misunderstood. That's, That's the life of a peacemaker. That's the life of Jesus, and it's the life of each of us as we look to be peacemakers in this world. Because being a peacemaker is not cheap, right? It's not easy. It's not passive. And usually it's not fun. Like, let's just be honest. Usually being a peacemaker is not that much fun. You wish you, wish you didn't have to deal with it. it. Many times it can be kind of miserable. I was thinking this week of some stories with other pastors that some other pastor friends of mine have told me of instances where they felt like, like they recognized conflict and they're like, I need to be a peacemaker in this conflict and the kind of pain and heartache that it caused for them to do that. Because many times what happens is, like when you're a peacemaker, so if you're a peacemaker pastor, uh, many times what happens is you become the villain <laughs> in it. You know, like if people aren't ready to make peace and you're like, no, no, no. like we need to work through this, they start going, well, I don't like you either. Actually, you're the whole root of this problem, right? Or they go, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to leave. I'm done. Which is like the most heartbreaking thing, you know, a a pastor can experience. And it's not just with pastors. It's with each of us. Like, peacemaking is hard work. It, it, It takes us actively, like, being proactive and doing it. And sometimes it can be very, very heartbreaking. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to, um, I want to challenge you like, to begin to apply this to our lives. I want to do it in four different ways. So as I think about what Jesus meant by being a peacemaker, there's four things that I feel very confident in saying this is what it means for you and I to be a peacemaker. Again, we can look at that word and we can go, okay, like, how do you apply that to our lives? I'll give you four different ways. The first one is foundational to the next three. Okay, first one's foundational. Here it is. Here's the first one. A peacemaker reconciles myself with God. So a peacemaker, to be a peacemaker, the way Jesus says, I first have to reconcile myself to God. So I I look in this room, and many of you I know, and I know that many of you have made that decision. You know, many of you have have chosen to be reconciled with God. You've said yes to Jesus. But I also would presume that there's someone here that haven't yet. And it's cool that you're here. Like, we can be honest about that. But I would guess that you haven't yet, or at least you haven't fully. And can I just say this? God wants your heart, you know? We talked about that last week, like what our heart is. Our heart is like the essence of who we are, the core of our person. Like, God wants you. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. And if you trust him and you give yourself to him, not only do we receive forgiveness, you know, not only do we receive freedom from our sins, not only do we receive eternal life one day in paradise with the God of the universe, but he also 
kind of makes us into the person that we want to be, you know? Like, I don't know about you, I think about my life before I was a Christian, and I, I became a Christian when I was 20. I, I did not like a lot of the stuff that I was doing. Like, I knew it was wrong, and I'd do it again, i go, dang God, I hate that I, and I'm doing this. I don't want to be this way. And when you, when you come to Jesus, when you, like, allow yourself to be reconciled to him, he, he changes us, I and mean, you become more loving. And you become more joyous and more peaceful and more patient and more kind and more faithful and more gentle and more self-controlled and all these things that Galatians 5 says, this is what happens when you say yes to Jesus and the Spirit lives inside of you and he brings these things about in you. Like when we allow ourselves to be, when we choose to be reconciled to God, he kind of makes us into who we actually want to be. But it starts by saying yes to Jesus. It's not hard, it's not... It's not difficult. It costs us our life, but it's not difficult. But it's, but it's what these three uh, that we're going to baptize here in a little bit, in a few minutes, all have done. They're not getting baptized because, you know, some power kids worker said, you really should do this. This is the right thing to do. It's going to make your parents really happy with you. You should do this. They're doing it because God has been working in their hearts. And they go, as best I understand it, Jesus is my salvation. Jesus died on the cross for me and I understand that and I want to live for him, right? It starts with us saying yes to Jesus. So here's, here's my next question to you. It kind of goes along with the last one. Have you been reconciled to God in your life? Because this is where it all starts. If we want to be a peacemaker the way that Jesus says to be peacemakers, it starts with us being reconciled to God and only you can answer that question. And I would challenge you, if you sit here this morning and you haven't, um, don't, don't waste the time, you know? we never know when our time is up and he wants to be reconciled to us so that's the first thing here's the second thing a peacemaker reconciles myself with others a peacemaker reconciles myself with others so once we reconcile with god it's amazing how much i don't know it's not easy but how much easier it makes to be reconciled to other people you know Like conflict, we said this earlier, conflict is a part of life. Sometimes we're the cause of that conflict. Sometimes other people are the cause of that conflict, right? But it's like part of being a human being in this world. But being a peacemaker, a peacemaker is willing to do what's hard. A peacemaker that has been reconciled to God is willing to take like the humble position to do what's uncomfortable and sometimes painful to bring about reconciliation with other people even when we're not the one who's in the wrong. Even when I'm the one who's been hurt. I'm the one who's been offended. Being a peacemaker who's been reconciled to God, I can look at them and I can go, you know what? They hurt me. What they did was not right. But man, I hurt God in a lot of ways. And I have offended God so deeply. And I do not deserve forgiveness. I do not deserve uh, uh, reconciliation, right? What I deserve is to be his enemy. But God loved me so much that he said, no, no, I'm going to make a way. I'm sending Jesus to die for you. Just say yes to him. And the conflict I wipe away so that we can be reconciled, so that you can be my children. And we go, man, if God would do that for me, who am I to not do that with other people? Right? That's why, that's why the first part is foundational. Am I reconciled to God? When I'm reconciled to God, I can then much more easily be reconciled to other people. 
And I'd say this, I, I like this statement. I don't know if I heard this somewhere or if I made it up. I probably heard it somewhere. But the relationship is more important than the conflict, right? Like if we could just get that relationship, because that's how God treated us. We were in conflict with God, right? And instead of like allowing the conflict to separate us, God sent Jesus because a relationship with us was more important to God than the conflict. And so if we could get that and then go, okay, so I'm going to apply that to my relationships. I'm going to go, relationship with people is more important than conflict. I'm going to work through the conflict. Now, not everybody's willing to, right? Like we can't always do it. We could, we could have conflict with somebody and be ready to go to make peace with them, but they, have, they don't want to have anything to do with it. And that's okay, right? That's okay. They, we can't force anybody to do anything, but we can do our part. I love how Romans twelve eighteen says it. I, I think this is such wisdom. Paul writes, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, it's not always possible, but if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, it's not just dependent on me, but as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone, right? That's all we're called to do. I can't make somebody else be ready for peace, but I can choose to have the initiative to actively work to be a peacemaker with them. We're gonna talk a lot more about that in this next series, but for now, here's my question to you. Are there any people in your life that you need to seek peace with? Are there any people in your life that you need to seek peace with? I encourage you not to go past that question too quickly. Because again, conflict's part of everything with us. It's a lot easier to go, eh, I'm just not gonna think about it anymore, or I'm not gonna talk to that person anymore. That's not being a peacemaker. That's ignoring conflict. That's avoiding conflict, right? Are there any people in your life that you need to seek peace with. Here's the third one. A peacemaker reconciles others with God. A peacemaker reconciles others with God. So once we've been reconciled to God, like once I become a child of God, I love how there's a couple passages in the Bible that use this word Abba. God becomes our Abba. That's, a, that's like the most affectionate word for father that there is. It's like daddy. You know, God becomes my daddy. When God becomes my daddy, what God does with us, what Jesus said right before he ascended up into heaven is he left us on a mission. Remember what the mission is? Go and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples. Help other people be reconciled to God. And I challenge you to think, like just like there were people, if you sit here this morning and you're a Christian, I promise there were people along the way that helped you know that God loves you and that Jesus died for you, right? And so we get to help other people along the way. And maybe I'll just say this. It feels really good to help other people be reconciled to God. Like it feels really good. Sometimes we can like think it's such a scary thing and I got to convince people and I got to like hard sell people to be a Christian. It's like, come on. All we're doing is we're telling people about the God who loves them. The God who offers them peace and forgiveness and hope and salvation and transformation. So let me ask you, let me ask you, do you have one or two or three people in your life that maybe God has intentionally put there that don't know Jesus, they don't, they don't, they're not followers of his, they're not, they wouldn't identify themselves as Christians, that maybe you could come alongside of and help them get to peace with God? 
Like we, we talk um, here about year three. Maybe you've seen the graphic that we, that we did, year three. And all your three is, is like challenging each other to have three people that we're praying for in our lives, just people that we know that are in our lives already that don't know Jesus. We're praying regularly and consistently with intentionality that they would come to know Jesus. You know, like I have, I have three guys in my life that I see regularly that uh, none of them are Christians. All of them come from a non-Christian background. So they're not like some branch of Christianity. But I see them regularly and I pray that God would make me a peacemaker in their lives to help them be reconciled to God. And you think, do you have people in your life that God has put there? Here's my question. Who in your life could use a peacemaker to come alongside them to help them find peace with the God of peace? Like is there one person? There are two people, three people. I could use a peacemaker to come alongside them to help them find peace with the God of the universe, the God of peace. Here's the last one. Here's the fourth one. A peacemaker reconciles others with each other. So you reconcile others with God, but then you also reconcile others with each other. So a peacemaker, I reconcile myself to God. I reconcile myself with others. I help other people reconcile with God. And then I help other people reconcile with each other. Like, how do we do that, right? I, I came across this little story this week, this little short story that I thought was so sweet. And I thought it was so creative. And I wanna, I'll, I'll read it to you. Like, what does it look like for us to, like, help other people be reconciled with each other? So this is conflict that doesn't involve me. I'm, like, on the outside looking in. But maybe Bob and Sally have this conflict, and, it's, and they're both, like, bitter, and they don't talk to each other. And we're like, what do I do? Like, I want to help them. This is a cute story. Carl and Sam were at odds with each other. They could not even remember the initial cause of friction, but their hostility had festered through the years. A deeply concerned friend prayed that God would use him as a peacemaker. He called on Carl. He said, what do you think of Sam? He asked. And he's the sorriest guy in town. But, countered the friend, you have to admit, he's a hardworking man. Well, no one can deny that, said Carl. I've never known a person who worked harder. Next, the friend visited Sam. He said, you know what Carl said about you? No, but I can imagine his lies, he responded angrily. This may surprise you, said the friend. But he said he's never known a harder worker. He said that? Sam was stunned. What do you think of Carl, asked the friend. Well, it's no secret. I have absolutely no use for him. But, but you must admit, he's really honest in business, right? Well, there's no getting around that, said Sam. In business, he's a man that you can trust. Later, the friend met Carl again. He said, you know what Sam said about you? He claims you are absolutely trustworthy in business, that you're scrupulously honest. Well, how about that, reacted Carl with a smile. Soon, the peacemaking friend noticed Sam and Carl would cautiously nod in a friendly sort of way. Before long, they were shaking hands, then talking, even visiting in each other's homes. Today, they're best friends. I'm like, I love that little story. I was talking to somebody after service, and, like, and I, I thought this was so insightful. Like, that is the opposite of gossip, right? Like gossip you share what somebody else says to make somebody look bad or to create conflict. So cool because you're sharing what somebody else says in order to resolve conflict, to bring about peace. Because the reality is sometimes people need help 
to resolve things, right? And we live in a culture that like we are pushed and pushed and pushed to just like ignore it. Like mind your own business. Don't stick your nose in other people's business, right? I've heard that lots of times. But Jesus says, no, blessed are the peacemakers, the ones who are actively seeking to make peace, the ones that are willing to take a risk, the ones that are willing to do the hard, uncomfortable thing that many times is no fun. He said, blessed are those. And so here's my last question to you. Who in your life could use a peacemaker to come alongside of them to help them find reconciliation with someone else? Like, who in your life just needs some help this way? Like, they got conflict that they're holding on to. It's like creating bitterness. Maybe they used to be friends, and now they're not. Like, they just need somebody. They need a peacemaker to come alongside them and help them resolve the conflict. Jesus said that being a peacemaker leads to happiness. And it helps identify us as children of God. I think, I think this is the coolest thing. Like, as a peacemaker, so blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. The reality is, when I make peace, like when I'm a peacemaker, and I'm known as a peacemaker, people start to recognize, and it begs a question in them, right? And they go, I'll bet. In fact, I heard another story in between services, somebody who was a peacemaker, and they go, you're a Christian, right? People look at us and they go, there's something different about that person. They're not, they're not being arrogant. They're not like, I'm the, the problem solver with everything. But they humbly want to help bring peace in other people's lives. So let me give the questions again, and then I'll pray. Here's the first one. Have you received peace with the God of peace that's offered through Jesus? In your life, it's where it all starts. Have you received peace with the God of peace that's offered through Jesus? Here's the second one. Are there any people in your life that you need to seek peace with? It's not always possible because they have their choice too. But are there any people in your life that you need to seek peace with? Here's the next one. Who in your life could use a peacemaker to come alongside them and help them find peace with the God of peace? To help them be reconciled to God? And then who in your life could use a peacemaker to come alongside them to help them find peace and be reconciled with each other?